What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Martian and Ozzy podcast. This week, we are back to analyze the Blades versus Dacus card going down in Columbus, Ohio. First UFC fight night in America with a crowd in well over two years. It's going to be great to have the crowd back in an American audience. And I'm excited for this card. Really good fight card. A lot of solid fights. And uh, I'm joined by my co-host, as always, Ozzy. How are we doing this week? Are you looking forward to this card this weekend? Yo, what's good? Yeah, definitely for sure. I was I was actually gonna go, going to go. Uh, a, a very good friend of mine who uh, went to his wedding and all, he uh, he actually moved out to Columbus. Or he was from Columbus. So I was actually going to go over there. Didn't line up with the schedule. Okay card overall. I wish, uh, you know, maybe some of the fights that uh, were planned uh, stayed together. But, I, you know, I, I kind of like it that they have uh, relevant fights in the divisions, right? The, the main event, obviously, the Grasso Wood fight, uh, Askarov versus uh, Kaikar France, and then also Dvorak versus uh, Nikola, which is only the second fight uh, straight out the gate. So definitely looking forward to this one. Uh, and, uh, and yeah, the, the fans in Columbus are definitely in for a treat, uh, hopefully. Yeah, I mean, really solid fight card looking top to bottom. Like you mentioned, the second fight on the card is one I consider to be a really high-level fight. And, you know, good car, uh, good fights sprinkled throughout the card. But before we get into that, of course, quick recap from last week. Uh, I lost 1.18 units on the London card. I believe our best bet lost as well, right? I think both of the legs lost. Uh, I bet... Goes the distance, mm-hmm. goes the distance, and Allen and Hooker, and you picked Volkov. Obviously, we fucked up on Volkov. Should have waited until the end of round one or something. But um, what was your recap? Uh, yeah, so down just under three, uh, three and a half units here. Uh, or I guess they came out real weird here because I had originally uh, Mar- uh, Marina parlayed with uh, Gunnar Nelson's other fights. That one got scrapped. So. I don't know. It's like it's like three and a half units down, more or less. But uh, the least read call was good. Was a good one. Um, I think that fight definitely went out as planned. And you know, Corey McKenna is definitely her her grappling was overrated. But I feel like yeah, I th- probably got a little too overconfident with uh, my handicap of the uh, that hooker fight. Um, although I've I've always been uh, big on you know weight cuts affecting people. You know, definitely uh, didn't put too as as much weight into it. And then that Volkov pick, not the best. Um, I thought that, you know, the fight could get extended. I did have, like, a small amount, like, Fandomic or so many sites that you get pennies on it. That Aspinall submission, I got, like, 13 to 1, but made only a slight dent in it. So down overall, um, wish that I would have recommended that Aspinall sub 1 line instead of that Aspinall KO line, given, you know, Volkov's massive head. Uh, and, and being hard to knock out, but uh, yeah, little, little, little bad run here, you know, going on bigger bets, but I'm not concerned. It's all about, you know, making, making the good bets overall, um, which the last you have not, but a uh, lot, a lot of calendar left and still up on the year. I think a little over 10 units or so, somewhere around there. Yeah, I mean, if you're having a bad year and you're still winning, you know, double-digit units throughout the first quarter, you know, obviously that proves, you know, just how good you are long-term. But um, one thing before we get in here, I, I got to read this. This is a tweet from uh, Luciano Betts, who I know you know on Twitter. But um, so if you bet one unit on every UFC favorite from minus 250 to minus 500 from 2013 to 2020, you'd only be up 11 units. So a seven-year period betting on those favorites in that, that range you'd be up 11 units but in the past year and three months betting on those same 
uh, favorites, you'd be up 23 units. So uh, you've been hearing a lot about the juice era. We've been kind of joking around about it, but it, it is very real that the favorites in the UFC the past year, year and a half are just on an insane run. And obviously, if you guys listen to the podcast, you know, Ozzy and I are more inclined to be betting those underdogs, but we got to change up the strategy a little bit. We got to start to really, uh, you know, look at which favorites are good bets, which uh favorites house and value instead of you know being a, a little more partial to the underdog so uh, i mean that stat blew my mind insane stuff and um you know with that being said let's get into these fights we got 13 really good fights first one featherweight division bruno Souza, the minus 127 favorite luis saldana plus 107 a bit surprised at this line here uh i'll start it off I don't really think much of either of these guys. Uh, you know, Saldana is as a front uh, front runner. He starts well. He tends to gas out and lose as the fight goes on. He's not really a good grappler either. Souza, really weird style, like a karate counter punching style. I just feel like this Souza guy doesn't do a whole lot in there. He doesn't show aggression. He doesn't have very high volume. And I just see Luis Saldana as the the fighter actually trying to land damage and show some aggression early on. And at plus money, I think he's definitely going to start round one here fast and i think he's going to come out to an early lead so you might as well get in on said saldania plus money i think he's going to be a minus 150 favorite in the live lines and if saldania can keep it up over two rounds and win two rounds here i think he's the better more damaging striker so i'll side with saldania keeping it pretty short i don't really have much of a a, a thorough read on this one but i think saldania plus money is a bit off what are you thinking here? uh intriguing fight given that we got a uh, a line flip here uh earlier in the week i was you know i'm familiar with bruno souza he's an amazing weasel he's like a definition of the brazilian weasel um he's got that karate style from the machita camp but um you know originally i was kind of maybe like leaning more towards him just because i've been you know very low on saldana but then i saw the line flip and you know then looking a little bit more at you know the, th the thing is souza the stuff that he does well evading punches moving around uh going backwards and just being awkward I think kind of plays into helping Saldana, you know, given that, you know, what we mentioned, like his cardio issues, uh, sometimes that, uh, you know, his shot selection at times, you know, I think the leg kick will be easy for Saldana. He's very good with them uh, and, and he'll take them uh, for free if he can, uh, you know, reach advantage for him. Training that uh, MMA, what is it? What fight ready? I think uh, in Arizona, uh, I saw him in the in the corner for Jonathan Pierce uh, just last month uh, in his fight against uh, Christian Rodriguez, I believe, or in one of his fights. So he's still training hard. You know, I faded him in his last fight against Lingo. Looked good there. Broke his foot in the first or second round, somewhere around there. Um, it was kind of worrying to see him go down from a jab to the body. That's no good. Um, but uh, but I think I, I I'm leaning towards him. I'm in I'm intrigued though at the reason that people are that confident in Bruno. Like Bruno didn't even make weight last time. I mean, I know it was short notice against uh Melsic, but he didn't even make weight there. Um, I think that potentially his uh his his offense is just not potent enough to stay with Saldana. So I'm gonna lean, I'm gonna agree with you, lean towards him uh at this at this dog price. And you know, it's a coin flip kind of fight. I get the guy with a few more UFC fights, uh, you know, some, some good camp behind him and uh, looking to come off uh, a, an L that, you know, maybe he thought he should have won given the, the first round of that fight. So I'll take Saldana here at plus money as well.
Yeah, wouldn't be too confident there, so tread lightly on that lower level fight. But uh, next fight, second fight on the card, really high quality fight, as, as pretty much as good of a fight as you're going to get as the second fight on the card. Flyweight division, top 10 ranked flyweights. We got uh, David Dvorak as the minus 125 favorite, Mateus Nikolaou plus 105. Some action coming in on Nikolaou throughout the week, and you know, very closely lined fight. What are you thinking about this one? Another fight that has almost uh, flipped over, uh, you know, Dvorak. The favorite here coming in, uh, you, you know, UFC win streak uh, at, you know, what was it, three, three, four fights, uh, hasn't fought in about a year, you know, had a short notice replacement in his last fight. He treated him accordingly uh, and got him out the in the first round. But I think this is going to be a much more difficult fight. Nikolau, um, he's fought very good competition in the UFC and also kind of has shown that he, you know, he can be both tactical and uh you know kind of get aggressive to if you will like you know and especially in the, the previous ufc run if you see his fight against you know louis smoka just you know destroying him you know that that manal cape fight was very contentious but he found a way to win same thing about that tim elliott fight you know people uh you know didn't like what they were seeing in the first round and he was able to turn it around use his wrestling you know mix mix up the game and i think here against dvorak dvorak for me you know i was kind of like i'm intrigued by him at the 125 division my issue is here against Nikolau is that uh, his offense at times, like, I just don't think that he has that much power or, or throwing with that much intent. He's kind of looking to just, like, throw, you know, small shots out there. You saw in that Jordan Espinosa fight, he really invested in that calf kick, uh, which which uh, which I was looking forward to. I, I think I had heard something from his camp that he was looking to do that. Uh, and he cashed there as, a, as like, a moderate favor. Or he, actually, it was close to even. I forgot that. Um and in the matchup here against Nikola, I think that Nikola actually has a little bit of the better hands. I think he's he's well versed in the kicks. I don't think that the calf kick is going to be big for Dvorak. And if these guys are grappling, I I I, I like I really like Nikola uh, over Dvorak uh, if they do start grappling. Dvorak has some good instincts. He's not clueless on the mat, but I think the wrestling actually or the initial wrestling. I think if there could be prolonged wrestling, maybe Dvorak could use some scrambling ability to move around Nikolau, but I think if Nikolau is initiating the, the, the takedowns and the wrestling and the grappling, I think he's going to be a step ahead. I think he's got more tools here. Uh, I, I, I like his, I think his cardio is fine here to go three as well. So the line's been coming in on, on him and, uh, you know, we lost some of the plus money on him, but I like Nikolau here. Um, you know, that submission line is a little bit low for me to get invested in it, but I can definitely see him popping on, um, what's in uh, Dvorak's back actually a six to one is not bad uh popping on his back but I'm definitely going to have Nikolau and Nikolau by decision I think as uh, one of my sides uh for this yeah I'm leaning the other way here on Dvorak you know I've been kind of going back and forth in this fight and while I do with you uh, agree with what you said about Nikolau being I think the better boxer definitely has the more uh, pop behind his punches I do also notice a little bit of absence of power uh from Dvorak's strike but I think this is going to be a bit more about volume and, and you know output than it is is going to be about power because you know this fight is uh pretty heavily favored to go the distance i do agree with that i don't see i think we're going to see a finish here so i think it's going to really come down to who is you know the more active striker um and i think that i trust dvorak to be a little more aggressive to throw out more uh strikes as the fight goes and i think dvorak's cardio might be a little bit better i think he's a bit more comfortable going the full 15 minutes at a high pace while nicolau tends to have like uh 10 minutes of like a good pace and then five minutes of a bit of a questionable pace uh in his fights 
And in terms of the grappling here, I do think that Nikolau uh, is the better overall grappler, much more likely to initiate the offensive grappling. But I've I've liked what I've seen from Dvorak so far in terms of his takedown defense, his uh, ability to get off his back. We saw that in the Bruno Silva fight uh, showcased a little bit. Um, and I think that, you know, I think that we're not going to see much prolonged grappling exchanges here. I think that Nikolau could get some brief takedowns here on Dvorak, but I don't think we're, we're going to see Dvorak get controlled for more than a minute, 90 seconds, or I think he's going to work his way back up to the feet. And I think we're going to see a 29-28 on either side here. So I think it's a hard fight to be confident in. Uh, you got two really skilled fighters in all areas MMA here, and I'm just really looking forward to this fight. I might not even bet this one just because I think it's going to be a really uh, even, high-level closely matched decision here but uh i'm leaning towards uh, uh dvorak but uh i understand where this nikola betters are coming from this is definitely dvorak's toughest test uh to his career and i'm not really sure he deserves to be the favorite so uh the nikola plus money bets are probably uh the right side to be on but i'll still pick a uh, dvorak to edge this decision and that's going to take us to our first women's fight on the card in the flyweight division. We have Manon Fierot taking on Jennifer Maya. Fierot minus 415 to Maya plus 315 on the other side. And I've questioned uh, Fierot before, you know, have bet against her with some lower level women's fighters. But I've, you know, kind of learned my lesson. Uh, I'm not really interested in fading Fierot here until we get, you know, a more... Uh, you know, properly suited opponent. I don't think Jennifer Maya is going to be giving her much trouble here. Uh, Fierro, obviously a pretty high level striker has been hurting women pretty badly in her UFC career so far. And Maya is just a slow plodding woman on the feet. We saw Chukagian just bust her up. Um, we, we, uh, We've seen a lot of women just give her trouble on the feet because Maya is just a slow plotting, you know, maybe she lands some hands every now and then, but I just think her striking is kind of basic and slow. And I think we're going to have a big speed and striking advantage for Fierot here on the feet. So Maya's going to need to get the fight down to the floor. I think that that's got to be the game plan fighting Fierot, no doubt. Uh, she has shown a little bit of susceptibility in her defensive grappling pre-UFC, but her take defense continues to improve. Uh, got her best win over Bueno Silva in her last fight and i just think that Firo is steadily improving in all areas and i don't trust maya to shoot those high takedowns um you know an, a great example is maya uh, versus chukagi in the first fight one round one of those rounds by getting a takedown and getting on top so you would think in the rematch she should be coming to wrestle really hard you know shooting a high amount of takedowns but maya just didn't do that she shot two takedowns that fight both takedowns got easily stuffed and maya just doesn't strike me as a, a smart fighter a fighter that knows how to get the fight in the area that um you know gets her the the biggest advantage i think we actually might see fear road getting takedowns here by catching uh some of maya's slow sloppy kicks that's happened throughout maya's career several times so i don't really know uh, uh in terms of bets what interests me here it seems like a matter of fear road for, uh by finish or fear road by decision so what are you thinking here, Ozzy? You got any confidence in Maya, or you think Fierro rolls? Nope. No confidence in Jennifer Maya. I mean, her best shot here, I think, is catching a kick, you know, and running uh, running Fierro over. But I don't think Fierro is probably going to look to do that. I mean, the issue here, you know, if I was to play Maya, i try to play her by submission. I think, what is that, like 12 to 1 or something, you know, something like that? 18 to 1. 18, 18 to 1. So, like, you know, prospects, like very good prospects, the times that like sometimes these these uh fighters fail is uh by submission. So I think I would look at that. But from looking at that Bueno Silva fight, I think it was very ta a very tactical display by Firo, 
Um, I won't bet her because you know I'm not. I don't have good luck betting these French fighters. Uh, they're the fucking bane of my existence. Except Imavov. Except Imavov. Is he even yeah. French though? I don't know. He's a Russian sniper, so I consider him not. But either way, uh, Maya, she's just a glove sniffer, man. You know, she's got that Vandalay style. You know, sniff, <laughs> sniff, sniff the gloves. You know, bob around a little bit. Hopefully, you know, catch a kick, take you down. But I just think that, you know, overall, if you're wrote, she's just going to be staying. This is going to be a boring fight. I don't see how this is going to be an entertaining fight at all. I think Jennifer Maya, the way she wins is she either catches a kick to, to potentially get a takedown. She uh, to gets taken down and, you know, finds a sweep. Or she gets a submission on bottom. You know, I think if they're striking for 25 minutes, if you're wrote, she's just a lot cleaner with the punches. You know, a little bit more direct overall. Uh, Maya, she's just like a gen very generic fighter, and I think that a, a fighter like Firo is just going to look far superior in the cage in the overall sense to her. Could there be some value? Yeah, but sure, but I, I'm, I don't really want to get involved uh, in a fight like this and, you, you know, rooting for Jennifer Maya when you, you, you feel from the beginning that you're drawing dead. Like, so give me, I, I'll take Firo. But Any thoughts on Firo decision or knockout? Decision. Decision, nice. Um, I mean, I'm guessing I'm in agreement there. Yeah, Maya is pretty tough. She could take a beating, so I guess I agree with that. That's going to take us to the middleweight division where we have some unknown guys. We got Ali, I don't know how to say his first name, Ali Skabob, uh, Kirzev taking on Dennis Tulinian. Uh, kind of sketchy on the pronunciations. Both these Black guys. Wolf. Good thing Black for Wolf. us, though, neither – Neither of neither of them will be around in the UFC for long whoa, enough whoa. Uh, for us to really memorize their names. Whoa! But whoa, uh, on the odds here, we got Kirziev minus one thousand, Dennis plus six hundred on the comeback. Very short notice fight here. Um, your turn to start this why, one off. What are you thinking? Why, why are you hating on the black wolf for, bro? He's not going to be around. Is, which, what are you? Which one is? Which one is that? Which one do you think? Do you think this Dennis guy is good enough to have a fucking nickname? He's ten and five, five dude. No, so yeah, why are you hating on the black dude? The black, I mean, this dude, Dennis. Look, let me just start with Dennis. I mean, the fact that he's 33 coming in, good for him. Uh, you know, uh, got a got a good win on uh, on that cage, uh, or that whatever that UAE fight card over there. I mean, uh, black wolf, I'm calling him black wolf. There's no way you're gonna have a name black wolf and, and me not use it. Black wolf, you know, I don't know what the deal with him is. He used to fight at 170, he's built like a little, little, you know, freaking tank. You know, I don't know what he's doing there at, at 185. He looks hilarious. Um, he fights out of Eagles MMA though. So, I mean, if you look at this guy's topology picture, all the guys in the in the picture look exactly alike. I don't know how these guys in Eagle Eagle. If you go into Eagles MMA, there's no way that you can remember all these guys' names because they all look the fucking same. All of them. I mean, in in terms of the Kiryziev guys, like in his camp, all these guys look the same. But anyway. This guy's Black got hair, bowl cut with the, yep, bowl the cut. thick chin strap. But I don't understand what's been taking so long for him to fight. He's supposed to fight Terman, Dawkins, DeChirico, and now they're feeding him this guy. Um, I mean, on the on Contender Series, this guy looked fucking like a you know dynamite. I mean, he took that guy's back, immediately slammed him down, you know, choked him out. You know, the biggest issue for him potentially could be just the size. You know, maybe that this guy stuffs a few takedowns. He tires out. Maybe he's not doing his cardio while up at 185. But Black Black uh, Black Wolf is in a ground this guy. He's going to look like what you saw with Darayev did on Contender Series. is going to look the same. He's going to drag this guy down. He's going to have one of those hooks in, either from the front or the back, drag him down, hit him with ground upon, and finish him. 
But uh, insane line. These guys are out of control. I saw this at minus twelve hundred the other day. Um, you know, I'm not touching it. You can make them. You know, make it maybe make a part. This this fight will finish inside the distance. Like either Black Wolf is gonna truck him, or he's gonna try and truck him, get met with resistance, and then you know get knocked, get knocked out himself. Out. Yeah, get knocked out himself. So this will finish inside the distance. I'm gonna have an action violence bet on this on the under just for fucking fun. Minus 195. Let's do it. Oh well, whatever. Um, but these guys are coming to bang. He's he's looking to kill this guy and I'll uh, get out of there quick. So let's go with that. Yeah, so valid points about Kirziev. Um, I mean, he has um one minute and forty-eight seconds of fight time in four and a half years, two fights in four and a half years. Um I don't understand why is he going to middleweight too. Like he he looked he looked didn't look like a big welterweight. Was doing good. Looked like a good fighter in, in his most recent like fight that actually got extended the Enomoto fight. I mean the guy looks good. He's a southpaw striker. Um, you know, capable wrestler, good on top. I don't know why he's moving up to a middleweight. Um, but his contender series win. I mean, he fought a complete bum on that show. How I don't understand how you can get rear naked choked that quickly. I honestly believe that me, a blue belt, would not have gotten rear naked choked in fifty seconds that no, quickly. Wrong. You think I would have lasted wrong. longer? I'm telling you. Wrong, dude. The Shigimoto got it like got taken down, know, got his back taken, and then like had like no concept of what was coming. Just like immediately let him get the rear naked choke. I'm telling you, the Martian is making it. I understand, but I think you guys, I think you guys submitted. No, no, no. I'm lasting more than fifty seconds. I'm telling you, I I had a few fights, and I had a few fights that I finished guys within like sixty. Yeah, I would, I would probably seconds. I would just panic. Longer. You just start, you just start panicking in there. Once it, once shit starts not going well for you, you just start panicking. <laughs> and you feel this guy, you feel this black wolf guy all over you. Uh, a veteran like, like myself, I'm just telling you, I'm not not tapping that quickly. Anyway, um, so. Talunian looks like seriously one of the worst grapplers I've ever seen getting into the UFC. I mean, this guy has no concept of st stuff and takedowns. He lets you easily pass, mount, uh, take his back. Doesn't really have any ability to get off his back. So, I mean, I guess it is, you know, somewhat justified that this guy Kiraziev is is this minus 1000 favorite because if he gets one takedown it, the fight really should be over so it seems like a matter of is Tolinian going to knock this guy out on the feet before he gets taken down I do not think he's going to his striking isn't even that good um, so Kiraziev is probably going to take him down and dominate here so uh, Kiraziev by sub is only minus 120 I don't know you think you think there's any value on that or you think he's it's there's a, enough of a risk I have no idea, dude. Let, let's go nah, to the next fight. I'm I, saying Kirzyev <laughs> sub. Under. Kirzyev sub minus 120 uh, square. I I agree. Probably minus one. No, it's probably good because if the fight even lasts longer too, uh, he's going to submit. Well, yeah, now. and his inside the distance is minus 360. So I don't know. I don't see knockout as a 25%. But um, I would do is what I would do. I would get funky. I try to do like submission round three. I'd have I've. I have something crazy like it's fifteen. I don't know if this. I don't know if this bomb is last until round three like that. All right, submission round two is plus seven fifty. Um, That's not bad. You take the under. I take the under in that. Moving on to an actual good fight in the uh, bantamweight division. This is an awesome fight. We got Chris Gutierrez taking on Dana Batgarel. Uh, we have. 
Baccarel minus 128, Gutierrez plus 108. So kind of a striker versus striker matchup here. Neither guy really known for offensively grappling, uh, especially Gutierrez. You know, 0% chance Gutierrez offensively grapples here. Baccarel might, but I, I highly doubt it. Um, you know, Baccarel has been looking great lately, knocking dudes out in round one, uh, facing very little resistance. Um, the dude definitely has power in both hands. He, he definitely has, you know, some pops and good boxing technique and fundamentals as well. I just feel like he's had a little bit too easy of a run in the UFC uh so far, you know, Guido Canetti, still a tough out, but, you know, a 40-year-old bantamweight at the time, Natividad, nowhere near UFC level, Brandon Davis, fringe UFC level, and just blasted him out of there. I mean, the, the guy, his power in boxing has looked good in those fights. I just feel like he hasn't been tested since the Alatang fight uh, over two and a half years ago. And I think the Gutierrez is going to be able to test him uh, like he hasn't been tested in a while uh, because... Uh, it seems to me like a like kind of like a, a leg kick volume striker versus the power puncher boxer here. And it's a very, a very uh, competitive matchup. So uh, I'll be on the Gutierrez side here. I think the longer the fight goes, it does favor him. But I'm kind of in a weird spot where I think that he is going to probably lose round one here you, you got to think that the power of backrell is going to be the deciding factor in round one here so gutierrez might be a better live bet you might be w uh, better off waiting uh, to live bet this fight after round one after you see Dana's best um, but i still did take a small bet on gutierrez at plus money before the fight um and i'm you know looking to add some uh, some action here in the live lines uh i just feel we haven't seen Dana look that good outside of round one. I mean, if you look at his career too, as well, uh, most of his wins come in round one. I just feel if this fight gets out of round one, we're going to see Dana tested in a way that we haven't in a long time. And Gutierrez's leg kicks, his cardio is out, but I think can give him trouble here in rounds two and three. So I'll go with Gutierrez uh, by 29, 28 decision here. What are you thinking here? I mean, first of all, if you're in a bad Gutierrez, I told you this already, but and he's a slight dog, and you think he's going to win a decision, you should just bet him by decision, which pays more than double that. You got to have at least some of uh, of uh, Gutierrez by decision. But overall, I mean, Gutierrez has been a hard fighter to, not the hard fighter to pin down, let me not say that, because he's been winning fights. If you're backing him, you're, you're you know, you never, basically never lost, because you probably didn't back him in his first UFC fight against Barcelos. But, uh, I mean, this dude's been getting fucking softballs too. You know, Ryan McDonald, Fucking Cody Durden on like two days notice, you know. Very valid, class. very valid criticism. Andre, uh, uh, Andre Yule, Felipe Corrales. Like Corrales, I mean, the issue here for me is, I mean, Corrales, if you look at that fight, Gutierrez, you know, I know he didn't want to uh, mess with the ground, right? But he lands 66% of his strikes. Like this dude, uh, Corrales, is a legitimate punching bag, right? Doesn't really hurt him until late in that fight. You know, in the second and third rounds, he's, like, super lethargic. He's not, like, he's not really throwing that much, uh, you know, for, for, for the credit that we give him for him being a great decision fighter. He's kind of just, like, pot, like the definition of pot-shotting. He's pot-shotting. He's not turning his hips or shoulders on any of these strikes. He, you know, throwing little leg kicks. You know, it's been a while since we've seen him really chop in on calves. You know, the uh, Andre Yule fight, he did it a little bit, but I don't really think that... Uh, Dana is that worried about, hey, you know, for me and him, me and this guy are striking, you know, him kicking me in the calf. Like, this guy's from Mongolia, man, and, you know, he definitely looks it. 
um, and he hits he hits super hard as well. So you know Gutierrez's issue has always been you know he doesn't keep his hands up that much. He like leans away from punches and stuff, and he doesn't have that much power himself. And he's got to reach this advantage here because the Nas built like you know he's got he's got a little lent to him there uh, as well. So this line is coming in a lot. You know I am kind of leaning towards uh you know being on the Nas side just because you know I think his hands are just like. I'm not, you know, I don't want someone to misconstrue when I say cleaner because it's not that Gutierrez throws sloppy strikes or anything like that. But the intent on, you know, behind the shots that Dana throws and how he kind of sets himself up to throw these strikes so that they can be much more significant. And that's why you see him knocking these guys out, right? That's why you don't see Gutierrez knocking people out because he's really not comfortable, uh, you know, with punches coming back in his direction right immediately, you know, thereafter. His defense is not that great, I think, in the pocket. And he's always looking to exit, um, you know, uh, because of that. And he'll play the back foot as well. So I think that Nahir has a decent matchup here. Like you said, I think he could get ahead of Gutierrez. Because, and, and I don't think that the Nas cardio is that bad either you know I know he hasn't been out of the first round that many times but he was you know in that third round I think which <laughs> the judges in China gave to Al Tong uh 10-8 which is insane I think that's uh, like it was a, a, it was a point deduction it will oh it was a point deduction okay yeah. um but you know I thought that was a close fight overall I think you could have made an argument that the Nas you know won two of the three rounds but you know I'm not gonna penalize the guy for knocking dudes out that they're putting in front of him I think that he's gonna be able to to catch Gutierrez um, with cleaner strikes. I think it'll be a close fight. I'll take the nah if as long as the line continues to shorten and then uh and then maybe look to play this live. You know, from there, not gonna be a big play for me on Dana, but uh but I think I'm gonna play into him and then see and then maybe honestly take some Gutierrez. The best line I think for the fight honestly is Gutierrez's decision. That 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 line has the most value out of all of them. But I'll pick Dana. Yeah, yeah, very valid points. Um yeah, I mean, I agree. Not the former ever. kickboxer. People need to. People should remember that this guy, uh, former kickboxer. Uh, I think that, that that was definitely his base. So I, I think he's gonna do good. He's got Brandon Gibson behind. He's, he this guy's ready. You know, I know he has not had a lot of fanfare, but this dude's ready. He's he, he's a killer. I hear from some guys that uh, train over there at Jackson Wink a little bit that he's serious. He you know, don't you think that deal. there's value in Backrell's decision line as well? Plus three fifty. I mean. Like you said, yeah. his his cardio is not bad. I mean, I feel like I feel like I think Baccarel does have advantages in this fight, but his knockout line at two to one. I mean, this is bantamweight after all. I mean, right? This guy hits hard. It's bantamweight. But he puts guys down. Yeah, but I'm telling you, has Gutierrez ever been hurt? In listen, I'm trying to think. I'm telling you, he puts guys down. If you're picking up what I'm putting down. I don't think he's. I don't think he's been hurt in his career. He, well, he's um, fought Andre Yule, fucking Felipe Corrales, Cody Durden. Geraldo De Freitas, yeah, well, Ryan McDonald. Uh, who the fuck there is dropping you? He, the, those are that is none of those, those guys probably names. haven't even uh, a knockdown in their career. That batch of guys probably does not. Between all of them, they probably barely have any knockouts. That is true, but I I like those they fights because at least he, at least he struggled. At least he struggled. At least he came back. I value that more. Bro, he than, like, struggles. He wins play. split decisions. He barely wins rounds. Against the only way though, Gutierrez can win is. He's fucking chopping the calf, and it's that's like that's how he got to the UFC. I, I time think, uh, I the boxing, the boxing could be a lot a lot closer than Let's we see. expect here. Right. Um, Let's, Let's move on. Next fight is at women's division, women's bantamweight. Carol Hosa also. as the favorite, minus two hundred. Sarah McMahon plus one seventy. Your turn to start this one off. What are your thoughts on 
the uh, second fight. out of three women's fights. Lovely fight. Love it when they give us three, uh, three, three uh, women's fights on a card. Um, you mm. know, what's her name? Uh, McCann McMahon. I I always get them mixed up. I remember last year, right? We were talking about Sarah McCann's fight or McMahon's this, fight yeah. and Molly McCann's fight, and I got them mixed up. You were like, "No, they're," and I was like, "Doesn't matter, dude. They're both gonna fucking lose." And what happened? But uh, so Mc, McMahon. That is a that, true story. That's a true story. Mc, I know. It's, yeah, dude. I don't lie. The if there's anything, anyone that listens to this, and I'm not a bullshitter. I tell people exactly what it is, what's going on, and I could be wrong or I could be right, but I, I tell the truth. So either way, uh, McMahon, right? She she's coming off that loss to Juliana Pena, where I faded her heavily, um, and you know she she's just like Misha Serkinov, who we saw like a month ago, two months ago, right? They're skilled. They got titles. You know, you know previous titles. Right. You know, they got belts. They got fucking, you know, people like, oh, this guy, you know, they're they're wrestling or they're striking or they're jujitsu. Uh, they look like, you know, that they, they're always in the gym. Right. They're chiseled, uh, you know, and, and people thought they're tired. But at the end of the day, when the going gets tough, when the fights get chaotic, they fold. It's just what they do. And when you start watching MMA after a while, you can start to classify these fight across weight classes, across genders or, you know, pronouns. All of that, you can start to classify these fighters into like little types, and you know that Sarah McMahon, she's just like Tom Breeze, she's just like uh, Misha Serkinov, and typically she's a front runner. Like you said earlier with Luis Saldana, she's a little bit of a front runner. Now that being said, here she's got legitimate skills. All right, she's a former freestyle gold medalist. Not the fake kind either. You know, this girl knows how to, you know, get on leg attacks, which I like uh, in the women's division and put girls down and hold them down. She, she's trained at Marcelo Garcia Academy. I know that, you know, she's got some submission games there. But um, here against uh, Rosa, Rosa has not encountered anybody who really wants to grapple with her at all. She uh, actually went to the offensive takedowns against uh, Jocelyn Edwards. Um, and I really want to bet Carol Hosa. Because I think she's going to punch uh, McMahon in the face. And I don't know, you know, McMahon, she, she's she got more to give. That's the thing. I mean, but the lady's 41 years old. Like, you know, I just see people always fading fighters over age. And I can't believe that this line is coming in, given that there's a 14-year age difference. Uh, you know, the, the, algos must be, the algorithms must be fighting each other on this one heavily because, uh, you know, th they have a bunch of ground control metrics, you know, that favor, if you're looking at them, favor uh, Sarah McMahon. If you just look at the tape, you could see that if Sarah gets connected to Carajosa, Carajosa is going down. She's getting taken down, and she's probably not getting back up. And if she does get back up, I could definitely see Sarah McCann, McMahon, fuck, uh, you know, slipping around to her back looking for that uh, rear naked choke. And thus, because of this, and you have that eight to one Sarah McMahon submission line, I've I've seen her or I know that she's been visiting some grappling gyms. You know, she came out here to New York uh, and was at Marcelo's, I think, uh, you know, pre earlier this year. So she's been working on that sub game. I think she does not want to go 15 minutes. Uh, I think if it does go 15 minutes, I don't think Carajosa at any point is going to relent, right, is going to give up. Right. So I think, you know, McMahon, she holds her down in the first round. All right. Like, you know, she's going to have to get another takedown in the second round. Same thing about the third round. Uh, so because of that, and I think McMahon knows this, she's going to be looking for that submission. So I'll take McMahon by submission. But other than that, I there no touching this fight at all. I probably won't even watch it. Yeah, I agree with with what you said pretty much everywhere. Um, 
you know, if you're taking McMahon, you got to have that subline as well, because we saw her have a pretty easy fight versus Pena for the first seven or eight minutes, right? She got the takedown. She was on top. Not much resistance to those takedowns. And, you know, the fight was going her way throughout eight minutes, and she still found a way to slow down, to gas out, to wilt, to get choked out there. And she did that rear naked choke wasn't even in again i'm gonna say it again i'm not tapping to that fucking rear naked choke from juliana pena in that's that situation i mean carol or uh, sarah mcmahon wanted out of that fight i i see why you're mixing up the names too molly mccann you know fresh on everyone's mind you you questioned her value last week and she ended up uh looking minus 10 million out there and uh just got signed by barstool sports as well so uh big thing is coming from meatball mccann uh, this fight really comes down to Rosa's takedown defense because the, the, the striking is going to be very one-sided for Rosa. She throws a lot of volume. She's going to be chugging forward and McMahon hates getting hit. She's probably going to start really reconsidering her career the second she gets hit. Um, as a 41 and a half year old woman coming off a 15 month layoff. Um, and Rosa's pre UFC fights versus like Pacheo, uh, Larissa Pacheo, who's Pacheco, also a bro. This Pacheco. isn't necessarily a bad look. Exactly. You you said Rosa at one point, bro. So don't I be giving Holsa. me pronunciations I said Holsa. on the on. I said Holsa. One, it's during one Holsa. of the, you said Rosa. One okay, of the did you say Holsa? I know, I know. You did it. I did the first. Pacheco is easy, bro. Yeah, Come on, you can't get Pacheco. I, I gave you a mulligan on the Michaelitis. Michaelitis. <laughs> uh Pacheo <laughs> took her down put her in some bad spots but Rose's takedown defense is clearly getting better she's obviously getting better in all areas of MMA you know being a full-time MMA fighter now and um you know unless McMahon just gets dominant dominant positions here on the mat I don't see Rosa losing the fight I mean it's going to be so one-sided in the striking the cardio favors Rosa round three favors Rosa even if McMahon wins the first two rounds with taking her down there's a good chance that one punch in round three from Rosa is going to make McMahon just shut down so I think you gotta um you gotta have some uh maybe look to live at Rosa here because McMahon's probably going to get her down early like she's going to have like one initial takedown <coughs> and then Rosa's going to work her way back up to the feet and you're going to get get Rosa at like Pickums or something like that uh in the live line so I'd say wait live bet Rosa here maybe take some Rosa round uh, I'm seeing I'm doing it right now uh Rosa round three props and uh maybe just hope that McMahon wilts as usual and um, that's going to be enough about that one. Uh, all things said and done. Yeah, I'm, going, I'm going with, I'm, I'm going to add, I'm going to add in, does it go the distance? I'm gonna fight. Interesting. Plus 130, not bad. Really? Interesting. Um, I'm, I don't yeah, know. These bitches are going to scrap. I don't know if I like that. I don't know if I like that. What the, wait, it says Rose is going to give up or Hosa is going to get finished. Hosa's submission is plus 450 and McMahon's is 800. How is that possible? How is it should be plus? I think 14. they feel like that. I'm telling you, they really pricing in the McMahon Quinn job. Like, I have that's true. McMahon, uh, Hosa, uh, knockout plus 550. That's worth a poke. In, a lot, in, lot of props here. Interesting of... stat. Interesting stat. Sarah McMahon is six and one in decisions, and Hosa is uh, nine and one in decisions. So, thus, what I'm telling you is happen there will be no decision in this that's fight. a good point i feel like uh, hosa could have finished a few of her ufc opponents so far and and hasn't been able to get the job done but hopefully this is one i'm searching for a line here i want to see what uh hosa knockout round two no. round three is hosa knockout two three is plus one thousand so what, what was that reaction you just heard uh, that we just heard oh uh, man something? these uh my boy my 
Yeah, my boys that uh, line my pockets, uh, the Italian national team, they're not going to be in the World Cup after letting a goal into North Macedonia. <laughs> wow. K1, eat your heart out. Oh, my God. What an, inter- what your- an interesting. That's nuts, dude. Um, Italy, okay. dude. World, four-time World Cup champion. Now they know how Americans feel. Um, we got better things to talk about. We got Neil Magny versus Max Griffin to talk about. Welterweight division, Neil Magny, uh, minus 250. Max Payne Griffin, plus 210. Um, No way Max Payne Griffin is looking plus 210 here. I mean, I think Griffin is actually steadily, like, improving as a fighter still. Um, I think he's, you know, fighting at his best that he ever has. Maybe the same could be said about Magny. I mean, Magny uh, is looking good lately. You know, still, you know, like you like to say, weaseling his way to a decision. Uh, loves getting fights in the clinch. Loves, you know, maybe getting some grappling time. And it's just a really reliable fighter to show up for the full 15 minutes. So I don't have bad things to say about Neil Magny. But um, minus 250, I-, I don't think so. Um, I just think that Griffin can make this fight close everywhere. You know, he uh, has leg kicks, good leg kicks that Magny does struggle with. Um, he is a, a decent offensive wrestler. Uh, Griffin has, you know, pretty solid cardio, some decent power behind his punches. You know, has uh, he knocked out Song. He finished Brahima. He dropped Mike Perry back in the day. So, like, the dude's got some pop behind his punches. And I just feel nowhere in this fight he's going to look plus 210 i think that he really is going to be covering his price tag the entire time not quite sure if he's actually going to pull off the win i think he's kind of destined to lose like a 29 28 here um and i was looking to to get in the plus three and a half line uh but the odds are not really looking too appealing on that maybe maybe they'll improve uh for fight day minus 180 it's minus mm -hmm, yeah I don't. I think that's a pretty sharp set line, so I'm not really too interested in, in that. Um, but you know, Griffin money line. I, I I think you got to have a small bet on his money line. I think he's going to be looking better than plus two ten, especially in round one. You can maybe get in uh, live on Magny after round one. Um, he is a, a pretty slow starter, but comes back late in a lot of his fights. So I, I like Max Payne here. Uh, not really quite sure how he's going to win, but I think he's going to look better than plus two hundred. Oh, I totally agree. I mean, looking at this fight, I mean, Neil Magny, man, I'm not going to say I hate Neil Magny. I just hate the way Neil Magny fights. Like, I just don't like guys that fight like Neil Magny. Neil Magny himself, I like him. Cool guy. You know, always shows up to fight. You know, he's got great cardio. You know, he's always doing stuff. But that's the thing. He's he's just doing stuff a lot of times. And how the fights devolve, what the fights devolve into is uh, this, this clinch fest that uh, he convinces you to stay within. Um, he's so long that he makes you uncomfortable at range. So you want to close distance. You know, you see this skinny guy, freaking, you know, toothpicks or fucking calves, you know, jabbing you on the outside. And you immediately think, hey, if I wrap my arms around him, you know, maybe, uh, you know, you know, I'll be able to take him down, control him, whatever it is. But then in there, he's like super crafty as well. But I love Max Griffin here in this fight, honestly. I mean, if you look at the Magni's past few opponents, it's just like how they're rating uh, Max Griffin. It's just I rate him higher. You know, he, I mean, you could debate. Obviously, the Morono fight, he fought like a moron. Okay, but he started taking him down in the third round. But you could argue, like with that fight that this dude's on like a seven fight win streak like the tiago alves fight robbery does zium fight beat him right morono i told you about that the alex Oliveira fight weird fight thought he won ramirez uh song carlos condit he just I me mean, i think he's actually kind of like a, a solid foil like uh opposing neil magny right he's strong everywhere 
right? He's not a he's not a standout in every, any uh, aspect of the fight, right? Whether it be striking or grappling, whatever. Um, has good cardio, has good chin, throws hard, is fine in the clinch, right? He he fucking ripped the guy's ear off from grinding him against the fence uh, a few fights ago. Dude's nasty. Uh, he's been in there with proven guys, right? He's been three rounds. I don't see how this this is like one of the better underdogs when you look at the profile overall especially in the matchup against neil magny who i mean this guy's not finished i mean he might finish now after me saying this but i don't think he's finishing anyone he's uh max griffin how many times has max griffin been finished like i don't think in the ufc i don't think he's been finished oh kobe ground and pounded him but other than that i don't think this guy's even really been hurt. i think maybe curtis uh, millinder whatever uh might have hurt him a little bit uh in that fight and that's why he lost that but his chin is super solid um he's got range right he's got good reach and then if if this does devolve into a fight in the clinch max griffin's way stronger than uh neil magny just like significantly stronger so if these guys get caught up pummeling against the fence and doing all this stuff i think max griffin can actually take take uh, neil magny down mm -hmm. uh and i know sure. he's been in some contentious uh decisions so i i mean i'm real like this is a lot of times i'm like maybe overzealous sometimes on some underdogs but at a plus 200 price tag i mean this is one of the more surprise i thought this line i thought fair line for this would be like you know, Magni minus 160, Griffin plus 140, you know, something in that nature where, you know, it kind of gives, and also it doesn't give that much credence to the power uh, dynamic either here. Like Magni is more favored to win ITD than Max Griffin is? Why? I don't know. Like Magni's mo more likely, the KO lines are identical. That doesn't make any sense at all. So I'll take Max Griffin here. Favorite underdog of the week, I'll tell you now uh you know for me and i think that this could you know if this ends up being a super close fight which i think it could be and i'm holding a two two to one ticket one one in the third round against neil magny you know th that's the situation that i'd like to put myself in so uh, uh i'll take max I'll, I'll sprinkle that uh i'll take money line and then his decision line four and a half to one i i think that's a good look as well um Sure. Yeah, and what I was saying about plus three and a half in the Zaleski and Morono fights, he didn't cover plus three and a half because they both got one ten eight round, but he did win one round in in the Zaleski, the Melender, the, uh, the Alves, the Morono, the Oliveira. He's winning one round every single time he he loses a decision. So he's a, I think the plus three and a half. If we can get a little bit closer, like minus one fifty, I think that that's worth it too. Yeah, um, and although this is a fight down in the rankings, like technically for. Neo Magni, it's a fight because, like, you know, UFC always has this like uh buildup of guys that like don't break through into the top 15 or get fights. Like, these guys are much more even than you know, let's say Magni's rank like eight and Max Griffin's like 28 or you know, something or like whatever it is. Uh, because Magni just he's been consistently fighting at the top, and you know, Max Griffin he's been steady waiting, and these are the kind of fights the UFC like puts together. like it's a weird fight. I, I wouldn't be surprised if this is like one of the last fights on Neil Magny's contract either. Just to throw that in. And that's going to move us along to the main card here. Lightweight division starting things off. We got Slava Borshev as the favorite taking on uh, Mark Diakasi. Slava minus 146. Diakasi plus 126. A lot of action coming in on Diakasi. Uh, I am part of that action. Uh, but I started the last one, so I'll let you go first. What are you thinking here? I definitely respect it. You know, Mark Diacasey, uh in that last fight just got caught, you know, diving in, capping to anyone, you know, with a guy uh, like like Alves, who's, who's got a great uh, guillotine. Um, 
you know, DKC, the, 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 the good thing about him is he's, he's long, obviously, right? He's pretty strong, right? He's got power in his strikes, but he could fight on a, a few different ways. Other, you know, that submission loss, uh, notwithstanding, uh, he's comfortable at range, you know, he, he's comfortable in the clinch. He could go to his wrestling as well. Um, and Slava, much more well, one-dimensional guy, right? He's looking to get in, 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 uh, in the range and just start slinging leather. Like, even though he's a, a credential, credentialed uh, striker, I don't think it's that deep overall, right? He just wants to get in range and start banging with you, as we say this, down to minus 140. Uh, he just wants to get in range and, you know, throw. But Dakota Bush, I mean, this guy's huffing and puffing two and a half minutes into that fight after landing that takedown. Uh, so so I definitely see why uh, people like the DKC side. Although, I mean, you look at the how I'm thinking about how he's in a window, like, is he going to get a finish over him? Like, is he going to push hard for that? If they're at range, I do think that it's a, it's a pretty close fight that I would favor a little bit Slava in, but uh, I would think that DKC is going to try and uh, work the clinch here a little bit, maybe start leg kicking first uh, in, uh, because Slava is uh, a little bit more focused on the hands. But I mean, I, I'm not that interested in this fight. Uh, to 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 cut it short here, um, I do think that the the KC bets are are sharp. But I, I do think that uh, he could definitely fold later on, just because Slava looks to me like he's carrying he carries his power uh, a bit well. Like he he, he kind of he's the kind of guy when he's throwing a combination, he knows which punch to take a little bit off of, which punch to sit down with, sit down on. Uh, with intent, so I, I th definitely think a, a later stoppage could happen. But uh, but but I agree with the with the DKC love and but but it's gonna be a fight that I pass on overall. Yeah, so um, I got DKC here, one point five units on him, and uh, I, I like him a lot in this spot. I initially just bet DKC, you know, without taping because I, I like the line. Then I re went rewatched re the Borshev versus Bush fight, and then I added some more uh, to DKC after that. I mean, Slava just looks so incredibly sloppy in that fight, and. Even on the feet, you know, he he got you know uh, tied up in the clinch with the you know the the double plum in the clinch, and then ate a huge knee. Maybe looked a little bit wobbled there, um, and he got taken down twice. You know, was able to stand up from those takedowns, and then just hit you know one nice body shot. It was a very very nicely placed body shot. All it takes, so push over. Um, one is I, all. I don't it know. Takes. It has D one body shot, but D Casey, bro, D Casey, a body kicks from Fiziev. He's not. He's not going down. Uh, from a body shot from Borshev. Uh, um, and even in Borshev's uh, fight in the contender series against Duncan, that was a, a back and forth, you know, sloppy brawl. Eventually found the nasty kill shot. And I think that people are just crazy. falling a little bit too in a little bit too in love with the power of Borshev. Uh, clearly does have you know a nuclear left hand. Uh, but I think the guy's not a good defensive grappler, uh, completely unproven in that uh, area. And you know, in terms of his provenness, it's he's been proven to be a bad defensive grappler. So he really needs to prove himself that he's uh, improving his takedown defense. Only uh, what just three months between his fight, less than three months. Um, I actually sent out a tweet about this very good uh, narrative nation here we got going on. Uh, did I think six fighters in the UFC have fought twice in 2022, and all six of them are one and one. Uh, Borshev will be the attempting to be the first fighter to win two fights in the UFC in 2022. So, you know, the trend shows that he will lose this fight. So uh, I like that for, for an increase in confidence in my bet. But um, 
you know, D. Casey on the feet is a very solid striker. I don't think he's going to be out of his depth on the feet at all. I'm not entirely convinced that Borshev is the better striker than D. Casey. And then D. Casey does have some decent wrestling in his back pocket that he can use in this fight to give him an even bigger advantage. Um, you know, don't forget this this guy, you know, out wrestled and took down um beat uh Lando Venata just a few years ago via a very decisive decision. And, you know, Lando, much better fighter than Borshev. Um, so I'm down to fade uh, Borshev. Uh, I think that, you know, these contender series guys coming off their knockouts, the, you know, the market, the, the public just loves them too much. And I'm definitely down to get on DKC. The market is is low on him. Uh, I don't know if you remember this, Ozzy, but right before DKC and um, – What's the guy he he just lost to Alves? D Casey was like minus two ninety on Bet Online, and Alves money line got up to like plus two forty five the day of the fight. Everyone was loving D Casey just a few months ago, and now people are low on him as the underdog to a contender series fighter with less than ten fights. So give me D Casey here. I like him to win the fight. Maybe even get a, a late stoppage, um, and that's going to take us to. An amazing fight. This is what the UFC is all about, honestly. In the heavyweight division, we got Ira Latifi taking on Alexi Olenek. Just an amazing old man fight here. Latifi minus 205, Alexi Olenek plus 175. I've got a bet on this fight, and it is for the fight to go the distance. Now, here is an interesting thing. I am notoriously terrible at betting uh, heavyweight fights and heavyweight overs, but I'm actually good at betting fights to go the distance, and I've had success betting heavyweight fights to go the distance as well. So, um, you know, very... Yo, uh, trust me, bro. I don't know what the word... Conflicted. Conflicted. Conflicted statistics here going on. Um, But... My opinion here is that Lat- that um, Latifi doesn't throw enough strikes to finish Olenek, and uh, Latifi has no neck for Olenek to submit. So how are they going to finish one another? How are they finishing each other, Ozzy? How is how is the fight to not go the distance minus two ten? Uh, I, uh, I mean, thinking I about it. it, I mean, I don't know. I mean, Olenek looked like he gave up though. When who was the last guy he fought where he just started looking at the ground and the guy's hitting him? Uh, I think it was Dawkins. Yeah, it was Dawkins. Dawkins. <laughs> so maybe that's why. Yeah, but, but he he, he fought Spivak. He fought Spivak. Yeah, they, bang- they were banging in that fight. I mean, no Spivak. No, I agree. I agree overall. But, yeah. You know what? What do I know? <laughs> so my thinking here is that that Olenek, um is actually going to win the striking because Latifi at heavyweight has resorted to, to pretty much land prey, right? He's looking to take you down land prey and got, you know, uh, very close to beating Derek Lewis based on that. And then did successfully beat Tanner Bosser based on that. Tremendous, um, tremendous gift on that one. Tremendous. That was tremendous. On Bosser? No, oh no, I think, no, Oh yeah. I, I bet Latifi there too. I bet <laughs> oh Latifi my, I got there Latifi there nine to one. That was that was what the straw that broke Bovada's back. I hit him nine to one on there, and they were like, "No, get out!" For him to win decision, it was live, live. Like after he got oh, really? that weird ass. Oh, that right, right, right. He yeah, went to like exactly. Nine to one. Latifi literally got knocked out in the middle of the fight and still won. Um, 
so, uh, but Latifi just doesn't really throw strikes, right? Even when he, on the feet especially, he's not throwing strikes. And then once the fight gets to the floor, he's not really throwing either. So really the the biggest risk for a finish here, I think, is going to be a Latifi crown and pound finish. But with how conservative he's being with his energy lately, I don't think he's going to be throwing ground and pound. I think he's going to want to get on top, get in half guard, hold Olenek down, watch out for those you know tricky submissions off his back, and just hold that top position. And it is probably the most likely outcome here for Latifi to get takedowns to hold them and to win the fight via top position but I'm cool with that happening because I think that'll go the distance. Um, but on the feet, Olenek is going to be charging forward. He's going to be putting up volume like he did against Verdum, like he get, did against Spivak. He's going to be, you know, throwing those windmill punches. And, you know, they're they're hard to stop, you know, especially with Latifi not having much of a, a counter-striking game to come back on. Maybe maybe Latifi can catch him with a clean punch because at one point at 205, Latifi did have some, some pop behind his punches. But we have not seen that here at, at uh, 265. Um, and, you know, I think Olenek might even have a chance to keep this fight standing and to win the fight by just charging forward, spamming strikes like he does. Uh, I honestly think that, that Olenek by decision at plus 800 is going to be worth a bet, too. I'll probably be betting that as well. But my biggest bet here is uh, one unit for the fight to go the distance. I bet it uh, plus 166. It's already plus 156. I'm already getting CLV up the wazoo. So I like for the big man to go... Uh, to the decision here over one and a half that's good too uh starts around three that's good i like all the overs all the overs all right so i mean you're 100 percent correct i mean it's a tremendous fight i mean i look i mean i can't wait until the face-offs you know just to i mean when you look at this fight i mean these two guys remind me of like uh like two bouncers i like uh like a edm like a tech kind of like brooklyn spot and you know, and what oh, I was gonna say, what city? What city? Nah, I mean, I don't know about the cities. What? You know, I I I don't want to be, you know, show my biases. But you know, I just feel like, the, and you know, you look at these guys, like you know, don't fuck with Latifi. Like this dude, this guy will fucking throw you into a gutter, fucking stomp your head while it's in there. But like Olenek, you know, he's the kind of guy. Like you got a couple chicks with you, maybe you left your ID, some shit like that. Like he'd be like, all right, you know, you seem like a cool guy. I let you date my daughter, like, or you could be friends with my daughter. Like, go ahead, go inside, go inside. But Latifi, no, nah, not nah, not so much. I think this guy, he's looking to get paid uh, in drugs or money, and uh, and that's the only way he's letting you in. So. And it's disappointing to me looking also at Hamza and uh, Darren Till because I feel like they could like they're these guys at an old age. Like I would love to see a reality TV show of uh, of Olenek and and uh, and Latifi. But let me get into the fight. You know, I got some early <laughs> Latifi at minus one forty. Okay, I thought that was a good that was a good price. And uh, obviously the markets agreed. You know, the issue for me, I mean, Latifi is massive at heavyweight, right? This guy's still a fire hydrant. He's still he's probably gonna have twelve to fifteen pounds on uh, on Olenek, and because of that, I actually don't think Olenek's gonna stop the takedowns. Excuse me. Um, at least there will be at some point. Latifi will get this guy in the ground. Now you're talking about like the striking. You know the issue for me with thinking about the ghost distance is how Olenek throws the punches. Right, he's just running forward. He's like he's got women's MMA striking. The issue is. That Latifi at any point, he could just sit down, close his eyes, and throw the only punch he knows how to throw, which is an overhand from either direction, and hit this guy in the head, you know, clean. Very and true. I'll tell you, he hits a lot harder than Sergey Spivak and his B-minus 
uh, striking, right? Did you see him throwing windmill punches just toe-to-toe, just walking, you know, just standing toe-to-toe with Sergey Spivak? That was hilarious. That won't happen in this fight. Latifi will either, that's happening, he's going to knock him out or he's going to take him down. Um, Now, that being said, uh, I think I'm going to keep some of my Latifi, but if this guy shows any cracks at all, like, I'm going with Olenek, you know, I think. But you, if this price, or let me say secondly, if Olenek hits plus 190, I'm gone. I'm out. I'm on Olenek. Because that's too much for a guy in Latifi who, like you said, doesn't do that much. Doesn't um, throw strikes. He doesn't throw strikes. He's fat as fuck. You know, he fights. <laughs> when the fuck is the last fight he had? He fought Bozer. Like, yeah, he fights once a year. I hate that. Like, I hate betting on guys that fight once a year. His chin is not tested at heavyweight, right? He got hit by one heavyweight who's barely heavyweight, and he's, like, coddling away. So if the Olenek that fought uh, Verdum shows up, uh, this dude's in trouble. He's winning. Yeah, he, yeah, yeah. Latifi's in trouble. He'll finish Latifi. He'll finish Latifi. But what's good for you, though, what's good for you, though, is Verdum got easy takedowns in that fight. You know, anytime Verdum shot a takedown, Olenek just fell right over. Yeah. Yeah, so, but that's gonna happen. That's what I'm telling you. It's gonna happen. Yeah. Like Olenek's not he's not get like he does not have the ability, I feel, to get up under a guy like Latif. Yeah, that's the that's the difference is that Verdun was going for back takes and arm bars falling off the back and he was trying to do yeah, too well, much. Latifi's just gonna lay in <laughs> lay in top half guard and, and yeah. keep him there. Yeah. Uh, interesting yeah. stat you, is you're and, and you already know, yeah. I mean I, uh Latifi so, has and, landed fifteen yeah. significant strikes in his past thirty minutes in the cage. So that means Every this every two minutes awesome. he lands one significant strike. It's, I agree, it's going to be amazing. Sh- show me a show me a whack, uh, Olenek fight. Olenek fights are fucking hot. Like they're always in the main card. Yeah. Always. Never been a this bad. This guy's one. a main card fighter. Um, no, amazing, amazing fight there. Um, and that's going to move us along to flyweight division. You know, amazing Ooh, that they're Olenek's putting these got fights. A lot of finishes, bro. They're putting these What's fights Olenek? back. Hold on. Back What's too. ITD Olenek? Oh, ITD Olenek I is guess plus three fifty. 250. 250. Mm, That's not good. I don't know about that. Yeah. All right. I mean, he's got no neck, bro. How is he going to get him out of there? I mean, an arm bar, maybe? I don't know. Um, I feel like, yeah, I'm going to bet someone in a KO. Fuck it. But uh, the fact that they're doing this heavyweight fight right after the, and then they got the flyweights next. Amazing placement on the card. We got Askar Askarov minus 425, Kai Car France plus 320. Um, I'm a little interested in the underdog here. What about you? It's your turn to start this one off. Love this fight. I mean, I was watching that Joseph Benavides fight again, and I think I told a few people, I the week of that fight, right, I was on Joseph Benavides the whole week. I'm like, ah, oh, you know, Benavides, he's going to be able to wrestle with this guy, blah, blah, you know, Askar, this guy's an idiot, whatever, he's not, he's not. And then I heard Joe Benavides in one of his interviews, media interviews, say that, like, he was like watching movie, like talking about watching movies with Megan O'Leary and like being sad about coming back home from training and that Megan had to be like working or whatever the fuck she's doing and she couldn't watch movies with him certain days. And I was like, fuck, you're, this guy's definitely losing. Because Askar Askarov, this guy was in the Paralympics, bro. You know why? Because he's deaf, bro. This guy's not watching any fucking movies. He's not, wa- he's not catching up on euphoria, on billions. This guy doesn't care about any of that shit. He's just there to wrestle, win. Like, I don't even think this guy, he probably doesn't even deposit his checks, bro. Like, I don't even think he deposits the money that he gets, bro. This they guy go is right to Kadyrov. Fighting. They go They go right to Kadyrov. They go right to support Putin. You know, I feel like that's the kind of guy Askar Askarov is. No slander. 
no slander, no defamation, don't hit me with that. He can't hear. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, no, no one tell him. No one tell him we said this. <laughs> no one tell him. He's not going to hear any of this, but nobody tell him. <laughs> but anyway, fighting was this guy's fucking legit. And the, you know, I, obviously I can see why people would be interested in Kaikar France, but the wrestling on this guy, uh, Askar, is real. Like, if he had both functioning ears, he might have been in the real Olympics, bro. Because, you know, this guy stays on you. Um, if you look at his uh, regional UFC f- or regional MMA fights, um, which is going to lead me to the prop that I like in this fight, I think I'm going to invest a little bit in this uh, um, Askar by submission line. Because in these fights that he had before the UFC, he's tying guys up. He's going for submissions everywhere. He's going for guillotines, twisters, fucking different shit from guard. Uh, he's taking Joseph Benavidez's back, right? He could have finished a choke there. Um, I thought he didn't really go for it too much. Um, Kaikar France, all the times that he's losing, he's getting out grappled. Like, look at that fight against uh, Bontering, getting out grappled. Look at that fight against Brandon Roy Val, getting caught, his neck caught. You know, he, he and after he gets get, gets caught in the guillotine, right? Is he like flopping around? Like, no, he's he got finished pretty easily. Um, and I feel that control that Askar is bringing here gonna be nothing like this dude. Uh, Kaikar France has, has felt. Now, Kaikar France does have that uppercut, which I think he's going to have to to nail Askar with when he ducks in because he's going to be going for a takedown within the first like two and a half minutes, I think, of this fight. And uh, once it's there, I just don't see Kaikar France getting back up. You know, on the feet, I think it's actually a little bit closer than, uh, than people would imagine. Uh, Right or maybe not, I don't know. But Askar, I mean, he he moves all right on the feet. He's unconventional, you know, and I don't think it's that easy to hit. He's just like a weird guy, man. And it's it's not easy to hit him. But uh, this dude, uh, Kaikar France, he does not have the wrestling. He does not have the ground defense. He gives up his back too easily. That's the problem here. Askar's gonna take him down, and the way that Kaikar France is gonna get up is going to lead to a guy like Askar just getting higher up on the rope, just climbing up on you and putting you in a worse position. So I'll take uh, Askar Askarov by submission a little more than three to one. Yeah, I'm agreeing with that. I, I haven't I haven't looked at that prop yet, but plus 360 I think is good. I think, um, you know, if you look at Askarov's record, he finished every opponent before the UFC and then uh, has had four decisions in the row in the UFC. But you got to give this guy give this guy credit. I mean, his first four fights in the UFC, Moreno, Elliott, Pantoja, Benavidez, that might be the toughest four fights ever for someone coming into the UFC. Um, And... Oh, I, I do think that he's probably going to get around to the back at some point too. And Kakar Francis doesn't strike me as a guy who who is going to be content to make it to the decision. He's going the type of guy to get a little reckless to try to you know shuck him off the back and try to make something happen for, so he can win the fight. He's not going to just stay against you know getting controlled for multiple minutes against the cage. He's going to try to make something happen, and if he gets submitted, so be it. Um, so I think that that is good. Uh, that plus three sixty prop, I'll likely uh, you know put some on that. Um, but I do have a bit more faith in Kai Car, like his money line, uh, than the odds indicate because Askarov has been a bit of a slow starter in the UFC so far. Um, uh, we saw Moreno hit him with some strikes that wobbled him a few times. And I mean, Kai Car does have really great boxing skills, good power in his hands. Um, he's got a nice uppercut. Um, and I think, you know, it's good straight right hand to drop Bontrin as well. And I think that at distance, you know, it is, it's gotta be 60, 40 to Kai Car France, uh, you know, minimum, uh, 
Askarov does have some some interesting striking. He, he has good front kicks. I'll, I'll give him his uh, his props when, when it comes to his kicking game. But in terms of boxing range, I think it's going to really favor Kaikar France. And this round one here, if Kaikar starts fast and starts you know pumping out those hands, there's a good chance he could catch Askarov early on here. Um, but it's hard to imagine uh, France winning uh, anyway besides knockout. You know, if he hurts Askarov with a shot, Askarov's going to, you know, start wrestling really heavily and he's going to get those takedowns. Um, and it's just really hard to imagine Kaikar France winning two rounds here. Uh, so you might as well be taking that uh, KKF knockout prop at plus 800. Um, maybe his round one, round two knockout props, the combo props, if you can get in <laughs> on those. Uh, but, you know, ask Askarov by decision, minus 115. I think that's going to be a, a sweaty 15 minutes, especially if he gets those dominant positions, that back take. Uh, I mean, no one has control. Uh, Joe Benavidez, like Askarov did in round two of that fight. Uh, but, uh, you know, I think uh, the, the money line, a little bit disrespectful to Kaikar France, but also you might as well have that knockout prop at plus 800 instead of the money line. And that, uh, that uh, Askarov sub plus 360, those are good odds too. So, you know, good find by Ozzy there. Um, yeah, so inside the distance, it might be a good play as well. Plus one fifty-five. A lot of finishes on the table here. Um, really amazing fight, you know. But whoever wins this fight should be fighting, uh, you know, the winner of the the quad quadrology or whatever you call it between Figgy and Moreno. Uh, the, whoever wins is really going to deserve that title shot. So um, enough said about that one. Another pretty epic fight between two old men here uh, at, in the welterweight division this time. Brian Barberina taking on Matt Brown. Uh, Barberina minus 115, Brown minus 105. Um, so it's a pretty simple fight to, to you know, break down, but I still don't know who's going to win. You know, I still don't think you can be confident in either guy here. I think if you're confident in one guy, it has to be Barberina uh, because I see this fight as like a volume and cardio versus power type of fight. Matt Brown, obviously the fighter with the more power of the two, but Brian Barberina has the more reliable output, the, the better minute winning ability, the more reliable cardio. We've seen him, you know, win fights later than Matt Brown has, um, you know, Barberina won round three versus weeks. He came back and had a big round three against Jason Witt. Um, you know, won a decision against Anthony, Anthony Ivy. Matt Brown is just, hasn't really been having success late in the fight like that. Um, so based on cardio and volume alone, I think you got to favor Barbarina here at, you know, 55, 60%. He could eat a big punch from Matt Brown and, and get knocked out at some point. He might have some trouble with the leg kicks of Matt Brown. Uh, but, you know, Barbarina's durability hasn't looked that badly. I know he did get dropped by Jason Witt a few times. That's definitely the worst moment of his, of his, uh, career probably. Um, but, you know, I, I don't think his chin has looked that that bad. And Matt Brown, his output is is pretty, you know, minimal. Not really throwing a whole lot of punches out there. So uh, I'll be leaning Brown here as well. You know, I bet Barbarina, uh, or excuse me, I'll be leaning Barbarina. I bet Barbarina his last fight against Weeks, and I told myself no more betting Barbarina after that fight. But this line is still enticing me. Um, being at a pick'em here, I think Barbarina minus one thirty minimum is what it's got to be not writing off Matt Brown's chances for a knockout, but come on, you got to have, you got to have Barbarina here as the favorite. Are you, you in agreement here? Uh, I mean, I, I feel like you're more of a I mean, Matt the Brown thing guy. is Matt Brown. I don't like how he slowed down in that fight against Condit. You know, that was not a good sign to me, but this guy, you know, he's fought what, like this would be his fifth fight in two and a half years, more or less. So, 
No, he's staying right in there. The Diego Lima fight was crazy. That was funny. But this dude, Barberinos, I mean, this guy's only 32 years old. And he's been fighting, like, I don't know. I mean, look, I'm not going to bet on this fight, okay? Unless I could get plus money on one of these sides. Um, I do think that at range, man, like, uh, this dude, uh, Brown's got some reach advantage here, right? He's got four inches of reach. He's nasty with some of these strikes that he does that he throws when in close. And Barbarina, man, he's always in danger. So if he's, you know, going toe-to-toe with Brown, I think Brown ices him. Like if he's in there with like how he was with Weeks, where where he's just always in his face, like even in the clinch, like, you know, Brown's gonna start landing, I think, some elbows or some knees or, you know, that right hand. Like, he just throws way harder. So you know, even though it's really hard to put away Barbarena, I do think that Matt Brown, if he can pace himself, I think he can hurt Barbarena. Um, and it's just a matter of, you know, where, where does he put himself uh, defensively from there? So I'm going to lean towards him, but, you know, I'm not betting this. This is as much of a coin flip as you as you could get. So, What do you think about the fight ends by knockout at minus 140? You think any value there? Uh... Minus one forty. Nah, no, because like I said, Barbarina is fucking crazy tough. So, yeah, I don't. Know, I just feel it should be a striking fight between guys whose durability is both weaning. So you know, based on that logic alone, minus one forty might not be bad. But um, that's enough said about that one. Co-main event time: Alexa Grasso, Joanne Wood. Formerly Calderwood, we got Grasso minus 234, Joanne Wood plus 199. What are you thinking about this women's Big feed on Joanne Wood based on this line. Like, you know, Grasso, Grasso is pick them against Macy Barber. She's like, you know, and then she's this line, a little shorter, or a little more, I mean, against uh, Kim. But these are her only two data points at 125. Uh, and they're against one fighter in Kim who can't win against anyone, right? She, she can't buy a fucking win. Uh, and you know Barber, who who she can't hit anybody at one at one twenty five. You know she can't. You know she can't land any punches. So I mean, I think Joanne Wood. You know, I know you were talking. Your people are talking about these w- women's MMA chalk, but bro, I'm not paying two to one chalk on Alexa Grasso to beat a girl in Wood who. Other than, you know, getting hurt, like, against Santos, like, that's the first time you saw her get stunned. I'm not betting on this fight, okay? Because I don't want to back Grasso. She's got cleaner boxing. She can kick. She's she decent at holding her range. She's got some power and she sits down on her punches. When it hits the ground, her, her jiu-jitsu game is better than Joanne Wood's. But Joanne Wood, she's also she she's uh she likes to get into that clinch uh game right. She's very crafty, you know, as a fighter uh and in, like you know herself right. She's a veteran of the sport. It's not like you know Kim or fucking Barber who you know b- both of them have like less than ten fights right. So like this is not no rookie that she's fighting uh fighting here. So I think it's gonna be a closer fight. If I wasn't going to pick, I think that Wood is able to throw these front kicks, stifle that jab a little bit of Alexa Grasso, land some kicks, um, and make this a much closer fight. So what's Wood by decision? If that's over it's gotta three be to one, 300. Um, it's uh it's basically three to one. Three thirty, three thirty, forty. Three sixty. Yeah, so it's not bad, 
because the thing with Grasso is, man, like, you know, yeah, she's, you know, she's solid, but sometimes she's just not aggressive enough. You know, she's got Macy Barber. She should have been detonating all over Macy Barber's chin. Like, this girl can't hit you, Alexa. Like, fucking, you know, turn on the Jets on her. You know, be become like a, a an actual star. Um, you know, she, she, she only landed 25 strikes in the first two rounds versus Barber. She's getting this Mexico you know? money, this Mexico fucking influencer money. So she doesn't even need to fight anymore, bro. She's pulled out of her last two fights. Uh, or, well, I guess Araujo pulled out of the last one. But either way, I like Alexa Grasso. Don't get me wrong. I think she could beat a lot of girls in the division. But because of an eight-year age difference and Joanne Wood getting really naked choked by a fucking powerhouse in Talia Santos. She's two to one. She's never been two to one in her career. I don't think against anyone. Ever. Like even except Santos. Oh yeah, that that fight. But other than that, never. So and there's no grappling. Like I when I saw that Santos one, I was like, all right, like yeah, Santos is I mean you see her Andrew, typology she picture, was, bro. She was near look at her typology 200. picture and look at Alexa Grasso. She was near plus 200 versus Andrea Lee, and she she won that fight. Yeah. Um, plus 200 versus Arian Lipsky won that fight. So yeah, seems like seems like when she is a a dog like this, she's you know undervalued. All right, so our recording got cut off here, so I'm not exactly where it exactly cut off at. But I was saying is I don't I don't like Wood overall. I don't love her chances in this fight. But for a women's MMA striking fight that is likely to go to the decision, Wood at plus three sixty to win by decision is wrong. So I'll be down to t- to take some action on Wood by decision, even though I don't have the m- the most faith in her. And uh, you know I like Grasso better, but um, you know these odds are a bit too overzealous for her. So I'll be uh, you know dog or pass on that. And that's going to take us to the main event, heavyweight main event. We got Philly's own uh, Chris Doc is taking on Curtis Blades. Blades minus 460. Doc is plus 360. And, you know, hard hard to have much faith in, in Chris Dawkins here. I mean, his pre-UFC fights, uh, he was taken down, put on bottom in a few of those. Uh, the Sean Teed fight uh, was one. And then the the more, I'd say, glaringly bad one was the fight against a guy named uh, Jeff Blanchley. Now, this was in 2016. We haven't really seen him face takedown since. Uh, but he did get taken down in that fight, stuck on his back. He went full guard. He you know, didn't just show the greatest... Um, you know, instincts in terms of getting back up to his feet. Now he was still able to win that fight, but uh, the Sean Teed fight, he got Americana from like half guard or something like that. So bad sign there. Um, but man, it, it's so hard to, to have a, an, a, any type of read on this fight. I mean, obviously Dawkins has improved a significant amount since the last time we've seen him grapple and Curtis blades is just complete head case. You know, some fights he shows aggression, some fights he doesn't, um, you know, the Rosenstrike fight, he he should have had all the ability in the world to take down Rosenstrike and finish him on the mat there, but he didn't. He, you know, barely showed any initiative there. Um, and it's just, you never know what you're getting with Blades. Is he going to show aggression and try to get a finish, or is he going to just wrestle for a three- or five-round decision and show no incentive at all to get a finish? And I think it makes it hard to predict Blades' fights based on his, his uh, incentive being so variable in there. But... Um, 
I don't have faith in Dawkins to stop the takedowns here. Obviously, Dawkins is knockout or bust. He's not winning rounds. He's not going to submit him. Uh, so if you like Dawkins, have any faith in him, take the knockout against him, against the money line, plus 475 for the knockout. But then when it comes to Blades, it, there's a good question on will it be a decision or will it be a TKO from ground and pound? And uh, I don't know. I'm leaning towards decision. I'm leaning towards the 4-5 decision. Uh, you know, FanDuel has these props. Uh, we'll fight in one two, three, or will it end four five decision? I'm leaning for four five decision. And my thinking is that if Rosenstrike can make it to the full 15 minutes, then DACA should be able to as well. But it also really depends on um, how much uh, initiative DACA shows getting off his back. If DACA gets taken down and just lays in guard the full, the, the full time and shows no ability to get back up, he might make it to the full five rounds. But if DACA gets taken down and wants to get up and win and, you know, maybe gives himself up a vulnerable position, he might get finished. So I don't know, man. I don't, I don't have much of a read, a read here. I'll go, my pick, or my betting opinion will be, uh, to go for the four or five decision on blades. But like I said, who the hell knows? I don't have an, a, a real strong lean. I fucking, I fucking hate this fight. Every time they put yep. these shitty heavyweight fights as a main event, what I try to do, it, you, maybe you guys could do your part too. I just avoid any like UFC video, like the weigh-in videos, any of the hype videos they put up. I don't watch them at all. I don't touch them because, uh, like you see Dana talking last week about like Patty. They're like, oh, Patty, you know, we we put up his face-off video, whatever. He got 1.1 million, you know, Aspen on Volkov. It was like, you know, 140K. So, yeah, his numbers say, you know, he could do a pay-per-view. So, you know what, Dana, you tell me that shit. I'm just boycotting any uh, any shitty fights. I boycott it in terms of uh, the YouTube views beforehand. I'm going to watch the fight. But anyway, um, Mean Blades, uh, was it like? Last year when he got knocked out by Derek Lewis, when was it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was last last year. February. Last February. So yeah, you know, uh, you know, Dawkins. I mean, uh, Blaze. Right, he has those debilitating leg kicks, right, that everybody, uh, you know, knows him for. Look, this fight is gonna come down to how aggressive and confident in his boxing is Chris Dawkins to go out there and you know just get shit going because. If he's going in there in a defensive mind frame, right? It's like kind of how uh, I forget what fighters you know mentioned this. But they're like, oh, or Leon Edwards talked about this like against uh, Kamaru Usman. He was like, oh, like I was so def- uh, worried about defending the wrestling. You know what defends the wrestling? Hitting Curtis blades really fucking hard. That's what defends the wrestling because it makes the guy tentative. But it's not gonna work here. I think I just feel the physical difference between these guys is really gonna shine through. You know, Dawkins. Bro, go to light heavyweight. Just finish. Just c- complete the journey and go down to light heavyweight. Because you know, being at uh, you know like 126 pounds and fighting Curtis Blades, that shit is not a recipe to win. Two toys. Two whatever it is it is not a recipe to win these fights. Because this guy, once he gets on your legs, man, this guy he he has high level finishes. You know, from there, his chin is soft, but. He got hit by Jorginho in his last fight, and there's no way that Dawkins hits like as hard as him, nor is he as accurate. And you see that he does not have the durability either. Once the guy really starts wailing away at him, right? Yeah, you look you look good when you're fighting fucking old ass Russian Russians, right? That uh, you know, they're just built for fucking. He beat you know, Parker Porter, bro. Don't put some respect. Yeah, another. His name. He Parker Porter's probably Russian too. That motherfucker, you know. I wouldn't be surprised I saw some pictures. That's leak. his most impressive performance. I wouldn't be honestly. surprised I seeing pictures leak 
of that monster Par- Parker Porter, you know, within uh, Putin's detail, you know, Parker Porter loves Putin, Hart Putin, you know, triple P, <laughs> triple P. This, no. this guy, he's an American hero. No, this guy, this guy is a defector. He would, he would. I'm telling you, Parker Porter, he's all about the Benny, the Benjamins or the, or the w- w- rubles, 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 which I hear. I hear Europe are down. I, I I hear Europe. They better get those rubles in order, or they're gonna be fucking cold soon. Is what I hear on the geopolitical scale. I, I follow my boy Sean Orr into these uh these Twitter spaces. These people are hilarious. The fact we got Joe, the fact we got Joe Biden leading us when Putin's on the fucking. I feel run, very confident. Not good. You voted for that guy, you idiot. But anyway, I feel very confident. Yeah, you voted for him. It was a plus EV, plus EV pick. Yeah, on campus maybe to get chicks. Fuck you, you, you <laughs> fucking asshole. Anyway, so you know, you know, Chris Dawkins. I mean, this guy knows jujitsu. This jujitsu doesn't work, bro. Against a guy thirty pounds heavier than you with a D one background. So he's gonna have to win this fight with his fist. I don't think it's gonna happen. Curtis Blades, man. As much as we hate this guy, he's got to fight for a light, for a heavyweight title soon. Like. Like he needs to get a heavyweight title shot soon, but I think we're gonna get a finish here. I do think that Curtis Blades will wear out. Dawkins does not do cardio, bro. He's a pig. So this guy, he, <laughs> he he does not run, bro. He does not run. He shoots first, then he runs. He runs after. So <laughs> he shoots first, bro. So you know, I, I I don't think he's running. He's doing any cardio. I but Curtis Blades, man, you can't trust this guy, bro. You can't trust him. So I, you know, I'll pick him to win. I'm not, you know, I'm not parlaying this guy. Like, I must be leaving money on the table, maybe for these fights. No, no, no. This shit. This, this is what you were telling me. You're, you, yeah, you say that, but then you fucking come with that dumbass stat earlier in the podcast. But anyway, yeah, I'll pick Curtis Blades. But yeah, well, know, our main event ROIs, bro, in the gutter. I'm not. I'm not trying to be betting. Not trying to be betting this fun. Uh, one thing I'll say too is Dawkins's confidence got to be pretty low after you know getting knocked out by by Lewis too. You know, it pre Lewis. I mean, if he came out just firing punches and getting in Blades' face right away, he might have a chance to win. But he also why would he take this tough. fight? I don't understand that either. You I got I, knocked I really out three ask, months ago, bro. I really wanted to ask, like, how, what? What do you? What's going in your mind when you ex- accept a fight where you're the four to one underdog against like an amazing wrestler? Like, dude, uh, he got knocked out brutally twelve weeks, cold, ago, literally, stiff. like basically yeah. twelve or thirteen weeks ago. He was dead. Dead. That's not yeah. good. That, that is true, and oh, uh, actually, two two Pennsylvania cops, uh, you know, got killed the other day on oh, the really? side of the road Jeez, too. Yeah, so, yes, so yes. don't drink so, and drive, guys, and especially if the cops let you go, bro, park the whip, park <laughs> the whip, bro. You saw that this woman was tweeting about it oh, the whole time. That bitch is crazy. Um, I saw another tweet by her that said, "Another tweet by her said, my mom's so overprotective." Jesus Christ. I was like, oh my God. It's time for our best bet parlay of the week. I haven't really thought about it all that much, but uh, what what are you going with as your um, best bet of the week? Yeah, so I was looking at some, you know, to get back on the prop side of things, just because, you know, I've, 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 fumbled, I've been fumbling the bag a little bit. I mentioned that, you know, obviously my favorite favorite underdog of the of the fight card is, uh, is Max Griffin, right? Oh, excuse me, got a little bit of gas there. Um... You know, if I was to pick, I'm gonna say two picks right now, but and I'm gonna deliberate. I'd either say Nikolau uh, on the money line side, or if I was gonna pick a prop, and then I'm gonna bounce it back to you, and then I'm gonna pick which one I'm gonna do. 
I would do the uh, goes the distance in the which fight was the I'm gonna go with Nikolaou. I feel like he's got matchup advantages, um, and I just feel like Dvorak. You know his approach works on you know fighters that are not that diverse. But when you have a fighter similar to um, Nikolaou, I'm like I saw the, the 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 grappling that Bruno Silva was able to get going on him, and I'm just super high on Nikolaou. I like Dvorak as well. This is a very good contender fight, but I'm going to take Nikolaou plus 105. Still low value. I think he should be, uh, you know, should be. Uh, I'll join you on the plus money, money line things. I'll go my boy, Marky Casey. We got Mark and Matt on the parlay plus 377 on FanDuel using the best lines available. Um, so that's going to do it. We got a, uh, we asked. Not bad. I like that. I I, I think Mark D. Casey's coming to fight. He got bitched out last time, but. Enough, even against Alves early on. He might he be looked, on a two-fight losing red, streak, you know, too, right? Then, is he? Fiziev and uh, yeah. and Alves, right? I think yeah, so, yeah, two-fight losing streak. That's yeah. that's a great but, recipe. DKC's legit, man. He's legit. He's a legit lightweight. So if, if Sava could be him, that's a good feather in your cap. So I, I like that plus money side. All right. So that, and he's got double, like, almost three times the fights. So that's like uh, but. The way my luck's been going, that's just no. Nah, we're turning the fucking tide on this on this fucking card. Columbus, Ohio is going to be good for us. We're back with fight nights in America. See, boss. Uh, we're going to have that American fight night crowd first time since uh, Figgy versus Joe B one way 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 back in February 2020. Yep, in Virginia. Um, but we had some, we had some, some fun house. on this podcast. He's from Delaware. Um, uh, we had some fun on this podcast. A lot, a lot of fun Delaware's fights. A, uh, a lot of good matchups. Hopefully, we'll have a, a profitable week. I'm thinking we're getting back on track this week. I'm thinking we're we're gonna. I hope Arizona starts That's it true. off this week. Um, the, the podcast won't be out in time, but uh, Villanova and Duke are going winning. Um, Wildcats. All right, this has gone on long enough. Good podcast, fun card. Thank you all for listening. Make sure you uh, drop a like, uh, subscribe. We're almost at 500 subscribers on YouTube. So thank you to everyone who's been listening and supporting. And we'll see you all before the next UFC event next week. Peace out, everyone.